Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 104. If at some signal Shadow could not see, Wednesday walked over to the wall, removed the out-of-order signs, and trudged across the slushy road heading for the car park. Shadow waited a minute, then followed him. Wednesday was sitting in the back of the car. He had opened the metal case and was methodically laying everything he had been given out on the back seat in neat piles. Drive, he said. We're heading for the First Illinois Bank over on State Street. Repeat performance, asked Shadow. Isn't that kind of pushing your luck? Not at all, said Wednesday. We're going to do a little banking. While Shadow drove, Wednesday sat in the back seat and removed the bills from the deposit bags and handfuls, leaving the checks and the credit card slips, and taking the cash from some, though not all, of the envelopes. He dropped the cash back into the metal case. Shadow pulled up outside the bank, stopping the car about 50 yards down the road, well out of camera range. Wednesday got out of the car and pushed the envelopes through the night deposit slot. Then he opened the night safe and dropped in the gray bags. He closed it again. He climbed into the passenger seat. You're headed for I-90, said Wednesday. Follow the signs west for Madison. Shadow began to drive. Wednesday looked back at the bank they were leaving. There, my boy, he said cheerfully. That will confuse everything. Now, to get the really big money, you need to do that at about 4.30 on a Sunday morning when the clubs and the bars drop off their Saturday night's takings. Hit the right bank, the right guy making the drop-off, they tend to pick them big and honest, and sometimes have a couple of bouncers accompany them, but they aren't necessarily smart, and you can walk away with a quarter of a million dollars for an evening's work. If it's that easy, said Shadow, how come everybody doesn't do it? It's not entirely risk-free occupation, said Wednesday, especially not at 4.30 in the morning. You mean the cops are more suspicious at 4.30 in the morning? Not at all, but the bouncers are, and things can get awkward. And that's our page. I've always loved the phrase that ends the previous page and starts on this page about there being some secret signal that a character didn't see because it always makes it always invokes a certain precision of operation in my mind. It makes me think of well it's it's more like a a cue on a stage. It's something intangible and something that I bet if if we, anybody watched any of us they would see things like that, where we'd be sitting at our desk, and then we'd stand up, and we wouldn't say anything. We would just go make another cup of coffee, or we would get a pile of something and move it from one place to another. There's a number of ways where I think this would be noticeable in everyday life, but in fiction especially, I've always loved it. I also think it's telling that Wednesday doesn't take all of the cash. If everything's missing, then it's really suspicious. But if a few hundred or a few thousand dollars in this case is missing, it might get you know, it would get locked up for days or maybe even a couple of weeks as someone tries to look into it and figure out where all the money went, especially because he dropped it off at a different branch than the one where he was working from. So it makes sense that he would kind of muddle the waters a little bit like this. Not muddle them, muddy the waters. Anyway, he's making a mess of things. And as someone who used to work with a pretty significant amount of cash in retail, especially around Christmas and Thanksgiving. If a deposit was missing, we wouldn't always know about it at a store level for maybe three to four days. Like, you know, we might forget to grab an envelope out of the safe or something, and we wouldn't ever hear from it until someone in the corporate office called over and said, hey, you said you deposited $6,000. Where is it? And then we'd find it. But once it left with a security person, I mean, it could take days or weeks before we'd even know that it was an issue. So this, this especially doesn't This especially rings true to me, that there's certainly amount of paperwork that would have to go into it, and then amount of research that would have to follow up all the paperwork. So, 
Yeah, essentially Wednesday and Shadow are probably in the clear. I can even remember a time in Portland where there was significant snows right around Christmas, and we ended up sitting on probably $750,000 maybe. And this was a small, small store in a larger corporate entity, but yeah, money just stacked up in the safe until Brinks could actually get their security trucks around because Portland does not know how to deal with snow or ice. Shadow is finally driving again, and Wednesday direct Shadow to I-90. I spent a large amount of my teenage and early 20 years driving back and forth on I-90. The section I drove on in Massachusetts is about 140 miles long from Boston to West Stockbridge and is known as the Mass Turnpike or the Mass Pike. A turnpike, I discovered because of this, is the name for a toll road, typically with a barrier of some kind to prevent further motion without payment. Though in Massachusetts they don't have physical barriers, they'll just take a photo of your license plate and fine you. I-90 itself runs through most of the country, beginning in Seattle on the west coast and all the way to Boston on the east coast. Runs for 3,020 miles, travels through 13 states, and is the longest interstate highway in the United States currently. I've never driven its entire length, mainly because it tends to follow the Canadian border, so it's not direct. Um, When I drove across country, my wife and I went south and then drove across the Midwest and I think that was a lot more direct, although it would have been nice to go through Buffalo and and some of the Great Lakes states, but uh, someday maybe. Chicago is one of the largest cities I-90 travels through. I tried to see if it was the largest, largest. I think it is, but I, I honestly just, I didn't care enough to research it for you, and for that I do apologize. I-90 intersects with I-290, I-55, and I-94, all in Chicago area. I do think it's funny that Wednesday refers vaguely to the troubles that can happen when performing the exact same scam here as he's just done at four in the morning, and Shadow's first thought is it's the police who are the trouble, but it's not. It's the bouncers. Shadow's a big guy, so I think, yeah, he probably wouldn't think of some bouncers as being all that much of an issue compared to cops where he would get in significantly more trouble if he decided to pick a fight with. Get in touch with the show at worldbeyondthetail at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.